Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here is Pastor Brent Coulter. Good morning again. Um, this is the second week of our Grace to Grace series, that, which will take us all the way through Easter. So as the girls mentioned, you know, this is a great um, subject to talk about all the way through Easter. And uh, bring somebody who doesn't go to church on Easter. It's going to be a fantastic time. And uh, they will be encouraged and they'll get a chance to hear the gospel. And it'll just be a good morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so as we, we started this series last week, and, and grace is one of the uh, big doctrines of the scripture, uh, the, it's, it's very important for us to understand what grace is and what the doctrine of grace means in our lives. And, um, you know, as we emphasize the subject of grace, uh, and I think this goes with uh, preachers a lot of times, that whatever we're preaching on and whatever I'm preaching on seems like the most important thing ever in the scripture. And uh, it's just the, the nature of the job. It's the nature of the passion when we're um, speaking about the scripture. But when we emphasize grace, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in love, it doesn't mean that we don't believe in faith, that all of these things that we see in the scripture, they actually go together all very well. But it is very important for us to understand what grace is. The scripture tells us in the book of John that grace and truth came through Jesus. So what does it mean that grace came when Jesus came and when he died on the cross and he rose again that we can experience the grace of God? What does it mean for our lives every day? So it's very important for us uh, to know about grace. So last week we just uh, defined grace and we're going to give some of those definitions again today. And... Um, we just talked about this idea that our, our life in Christ is all about grace from beginning to end. And this idea that God actually lavishes grace upon us. That God lavishes grace upon humanity. So we should know what grace is and we should want to embrace grace um, and appreciate it and be thankful for what it is. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Encourage you once again, uh, bring a Bible to church or have the Bible app on your phone so you can follow along with me. Um, and as, as I'm speaking and as we're reading scriptures, sometimes things will pop out to you. So you want to be able to uh, record those things, highlight those things, write those things down. Uh, so you're not losing out on what God is speaking to you. First Peter chapter five, verse 10, the first part says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That one of the descriptors that we see here about God is that he is the God of all grace. We know that God is love and we know that, that God is a healer and we know that God is all of these different things as revealed in the scripture. But also we see here that God is the God of all grace. So as we look at grace and we learn about grace, what we're learning about is the character of God. And when we understand what grace is, we're going to understand who God is. We're going to understand uh, the character of God towards us. So as we did last week, we're going to define grace. And I have a bunch of definitions. And the reason I give a bunch of definitions is that some uh, definition will hit somebody else and another definition will be meaningful to someone else. So I'm just going to read through these again. Grace, the word grace broadly describes the whole of God's activity toward man. The whole, of act, the whole of God's activity toward man, mankind, humanity, 
can be described as grace, just a very broad description. And then also narrowly, specifically, uh, what we are needing in our lives. Uh, you know, we received communion a little while ago and, and we talked about healing and we are going to be at different places in our lives and we are going to be needing different things from God uh, based on our experience, based on our age, based on our context of life. And so the things that we need specifically in, a, in a, any given moment from God, that is grace. The things that God would give us when we need those things in that moment, that narrowly described as grace. Grace is unmerited favor of God toward men. Grace is undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Grace is undeserved favor granted from, by a superior to an inferior. The undeserved favor of God is providing salvation for those deserving condemnation. Grace speaks of the saving activity of God, which is manifested in the gift of his son to die in the place of sinners. Grace is a free gift. Grace is gracious or merciful behavior of a more powerful person toward another. We sang this morning about God's amazing grace. And the more we learn about it, that song will make more sense to us. We're like, wow, grace is amazing. That it is this free gift that God gives us. It's something that we actually don't deserve. It's something we haven't merited. And then God still gives it to us. The Christian life from its beginning to its end is totally dependent on the grace of God. The minute you think you've earned it, it's no longer grace. It's unmerited, unearned, undeserved. Christianity is received, not achieved. Our life in Christ is received, it's not achieved. It's not something we're uh, doing to accomplish accomplishing becoming a Christian. How do I become a Christian? Well, I do this and I do this and I do the other. No, there's a bunch of things that we do within the teaching of Christianity. You know, we talked um, earlier in the year about reading the scripture. Now, we don't read the scripture to then somehow uh, prove to God that we're reading his word and God, you know, I read four chapters today and now you'll accept me because I've read the scripture. Or I prayed an hour today, God. And then we offer the religious things that we do or the religious practices that we have or or the things that we're doing in our life that could take on a religious connotation and the, that amount of time or the quality of it. And then we think I'm going to offer that to God and then somehow I will merit God's favor. But Christianity is received, it's not achieved. It's always all the things that we do in the context of our relationship with God, whether it's prayer or spending time in God's word, it's always from this place of freedom. It's always from this place, this wonderful place of grace, that we sit uh, within the context of God's righteousness so we can then pray. We get to have a relationship with God. It's not something we do to achieve religiosity. It is because we have a gift that we can pray and we can know God. So as we look at and understand, we, you know, we, once again, as we receive communion, Jesus said this phrase, this is the new covenant in my blood. There was an old covenant, an old way of doing things. And then Jesus 
ushers in this new covenant. And so the new covenant is the covenant that we live in. It's the covenant that, that God is giving to us. It's the one that he desires for us to understand and receive. And in fact, the old covenant, the old testament, the old way of doing things is actually no longer available to us. The scripture tells us here in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, it says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So what does it say about the old covenant? It's obsolete. It's out of date. In other words, we don't use it anymore. You know, we, we, we all get new phones every couple years nowadays, most people. And then what happens to our old phone? You know, if you have children, you give it to your children and you pretend it's an amazing new phone. And they're, if they're old enough, they're, they're happy with it. And if they're a certain age, they want a new phone as well. But what happens when we get a new phone? It makes the old one obsolete. And it's the same way with the new covenant. The new covenant replaces the old covenant. We actually can't go back to the old covenant. It's not available to us. God doesn't make it available. It's vanished away. It's made it obsolete. So it's very important to understand what is this new way that God wants to operate with mankind as Jesus came to the earth. God in the flesh came to the earth to usher in a new covenant, this covenant of grace. Scripture, once again, we mentioned last week in uh, the book of Acts, uh, talks about the gospel of grace, the good news about Jesus is that God gives us a relationship with him. It's, and it makes the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the old way of doing things, it's obsolete. It's not available for us anymore to try to live under the law. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 says this. <coughs> now remember, we, we talked about the book of Galatians last week, and I won't... Explain everything about the book of Galatians. If you missed last week, go back and listen to the message and it'll explain to you. But there's so many things about grace in the book of Galatians. So it says here in Galatians 2 verse 19. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So many things in here in these verses and, and what we want to emphasize and what I have underlined there. It says, the life I live now, I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So the life that you're living today, this is what Paul is saying, not, not Sunday. This is not about Sunday. This is about living life, everyday life, on the job, at school, in your family. The life that I live right now, how I live my life should be affected and infected by grace. That I'm living my life in Christ. Not a Sunday thing, not a religious thing. That the life I'm living, I'm actually living by faith in the Son of God. That I put my trust in God for my eternity. And I put my trust in God through Jesus for my life that I live right now. And then he made a really big statement. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God. And so I, I'm, I'm not trying to put away the grace of God because... The grace of God is God's new way of doing things. And then he says this, For if righteousness were through the law, 
then Christ died for no purpose. So in other words, nobody, listen now, I'm going to make a really big statement. Nobody is made righteous by keeping laws. Nobody enters into a relationship with God. This is the new covenant. Nobody enters into a relationship with God by keeping laws. Now listen, nobody enters into eternity, into heaven, into God's presence by being a good person. By keeping, by being a law keeper. Now we, we know, and, and, and this, I mean, there's so much in pop culture. If you've ever seen, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ghosts. Anyone ever seen Ghosts? Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore. It's really old for some people. Um, but, you know, in this movie, people are dying all of the time. And some of them are going to heaven and some of them are going to hell, right? Do you remember? And then the demons would come and take the person down to hell. And then the people that were sort of good, they were go to heaven. This is kind of the pop culture idea about heaven and hell. Am I going to be good enough? And is that person good enough? Am I good enough? Well, I know who for sure the people that are like going down when they die. And I know some of the people like my mama, my mom and my grandma, you know, they're good people and I'm good people. But here the scripture is telling us nobody is made right by the activity of their humanity. That salvation is only coming to us through God, by what he has done in Jesus. It is one way. It is something that God has only accomplished. God has accomplished salvation. Man can't. That's what he's saying. Otherwise, Jesus died for no reason, and then we can just be religious people, and we can do our best. If, if Jesus died for no reason, listen, then, then we, we could just make up stuff. We could just make up a religion because then what does it matter? How, how can man save himself? This is the point of the discussion. That nobody is made, made right by law keeping. You know, and, and like I said, you know, if I were to make up a religion, it's basically everybody in Ontario, like, you have to cheer for the leaves. If you're born in Ontario... You just need to cheer for the Leafs, and it's okay right now. we got three young rookies, and life is amazing, and we're going to hopefully be in the playoffs this year. But any Ontario-born person who cheers for the Habs, you go to hell. That just seems, that seems to make sense to me. See, what's the difference between that and any other religion? Because we can just come up with ideas. We can just come up with grandiose ideas. If you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, and you pray this many times, you do this, but you don't do this. But this is what the scripture is saying. Listen to what it is one way. God saves humanity. God does it. God does the thing necessary for us to be in relationship with him. Everything else is just religion. See, and I won't, I won't mock all of the other religions of the world, but Christianity becomes a religion for people. Where we, we believe in Jesus, but then not only do we believe in Jesus, then we want to add our denomination. Jesus plus our denomination, our group. See, in our church, we're non-denominational, so we can say, we could say, 
of our own arrogance, we could say Jesus plus being non-denominational, which can become a denomination. And it can be something that we can add our own personal arrogance by achieving. But achieving is irrelevant as it relates to a relationship with God. It is only by grace. It is something only given to us. It is one way. It is accomplished by God. This is what this paragraph is saying. <clears throat> now, when we, when we talk about grace, <clears throat> we're talking here about a life we live. And then somebody, you know, for some people, when we talk about grace, we're like, you know, grace can become a dangerous thing. Because if you, you know, you got to be careful, Pastor Brent, saying that it doesn't actually matter what we do. Because then people will just do anything they want. Because then people will just go and sin. If you just say, it's only by grace, then what, what stops anybody from just going and living a sinful life? Hey, they're doing it anyway. And if we, if we just talk about grace all of the time, you're just, you're just giving people a license to sin. Because it's saying that, you know, it only depends on what God, it only depends on what Jesus did. So I can just live a sinful life. I can just sin and sin and sin and mess up and do this and do whatever I want, live however I want. And at the last second, I could just say, Jesus, I want your grace. And then that person will get into heaven. And some people, that, some people are like, that doesn't even seem fair. But, but did you want to work for it? Did you want to work for your salvation? You can't. It's actually not available to you. There is only the new covenant. The, the old covenant, what is it? It's obsolete. It's out of date. So you can't actually live. Some, some people are nervous in here today. Don't worry. You don't have to be nervous very long. You can't actually live a law-keeping life anyway to get through the pearly gates. You can't do it. It's not available. Otherwise, Christ died for no reason, and then we can just make up a bunch of religions and send all the hap fans to hell. But here, Paul is saying, the life that I live right now the life that I'm living now is a, a life where God lavishes his grace on me. God is giving me his grace. God has poured out his... We, we read that. He says he loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me and he gave himself for me. See, we, we go back to this, this love relationship that God is calling us into this love relationship with himself. Well, they asked Jesus, well, what's the laws? What's the greatest law in the Old Testament? And Jesus said, love God, love people. He's calling us to love him. And once we understand grace, we will love God more and more. And the question is that I have for somebody is like, why would you want to waste your life with sin? Sin just means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark of your design. It means to miss the mark of your purpose in life. Why would you go and contravene that 
and waste your life. Well, it'll be okay because I'll all go to heaven when I die because I'm just depending on the grace of God. But then you've wasted your life. Why would you waste your life on sin? And that is the question that Paul is going to keep talking to people about. He keeps discussing grace throughout of the whole of the New Testament. See, here's the problem uh, with laws. That laws are not very inspirational. Have you ever seen a street sign that limits your activity and thought, I'm so inspired today? See, there's no inspiration in laws. But what God wants from us, since the, the way of living by law is passed away, what does God have for us right now to live the life that I live right now in the flesh? It is a life that follows Jesus. From the inside out, he transforms me from the inside out. Laws attempt, and they fail horribly, to transform people from the outside in. See, this relationship that we have with God starts with God giving us his spirit. His spirit lives on the inside of me. And then I follow Jesus, and then I follow the spirit from the inside. I live an inspired life following Jesus. Not trying to sin and mess up my life and mess up other people's lives. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. So for those of you who are a little bit nervous in here today, don't be nervous. Let's read the scripture. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says, Now law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increases, what happens? Grace abounds more than that. Grace overcomes sin. Grace always wins. So we shouldn't look out in the world and, and be distraught that sinners sin and then Christians sin sometimes. Right? Can you testify this morning? But what happens when, when, what happens when sin shows up? Grace overtakes it. Grace abounds over that. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life, once again, let's think about life. Starts right now. Eternal life starts right now, not when we die. God is talking about our lives. Paul is talking about the life that we live every day. That we're going to live that life in Jesus. That we're going to live that life where we realize we are forever loved and forever accepted. That's what I get up every day knowing. Why? Because of grace. Not because of my actions. Not because of my past. Because if I had to get up every day and depend on my past, if you had to get up every day and depend on your past and your actions and your ability to follow the rules, you would be depressed. I would be depressed every day. But we can get up every day in the grace of God and know that we are forever loved and forever accepted. Now the thought continues. It's another chapter, but the thought is the same. Uh, the, the chapters are not inspired. They were just put in there for us to be able to, to uh, find things. 
Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 1, the next thought says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So Paul makes the point, hey, anytime you sin, grace goes over the top. But then Paul says, do we keep sinning so that grace can go higher? No, it's not. that would be dumb, right? That would be a silly way to live. That would be a, a life missing the point. Yes, grace does continue to abound every day when we mess up, when we make mistakes. But then we don't then on purpose sin, we don't then on purpose miss the mark so that we can say grace is abounding. No, then we're missing the point of the life that I'm living. What does he say? By no means. So because God gives us, gives us grace... At all times, and we are forever loved, and we are forever accepted because of the grace of God. Paul is saying, why would we live a sinful life? Should we live a sinful life? No, that would just be silly. Or do we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? See, here's the point he's making. We, we are actually supposed to realize because of the grace of God, we aren't slaves to sin anymore. We're set free. On the inside. He has made us new on the inside. He's not trying to change our lives anymore by enforcing laws on the outside of us. He's starting on the inside. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. That there would be a new covenant would come and everybody would know God. Every, every child, adult would know God for that he would put a new heart on the inside of us, not a physical heart, a spiritual heart. That we, as individuals, that we would be in relationship with God. That he would do something from the inside out. See, we can look at our society. Is there any laws in our society? It's kind of a a joke. Is there any laws in our society? Yes, and that's why lawyers have jobs. It's because none of, we read the law and we're like, I don't know, I need someone to help me understand this. So lawyers understand it for all of us, right? Do laws change you? <laughs> have you gone and read the laws of our land and just felt so inspired? What do the laws of our land say? You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't put a fence there. You can't do this. You can't dig there. You can't park there. You can't live there. Do you get inspired by reading those laws? No, it doesn't change you. It doesn't change you anyway. Grace deals with the inside. And then God is changing you on a daily basis by his grace. Because we're, that's what we're depending on. That's the life that we're living in Christ and through Christ. Spirit on the inside of us. Leading us and guiding us and changing us and transforming us. So that we just don't follow after sin. Verse 6, I mean, uh, verse 12 of the same chapter. And then he says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. 
to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members, means your body, to sin as instruments of, of for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. So he's trying to inspire us. He's trying to show us that a sinful life is a wasted life, but he's not enforcing it on you. He's telling you, you've been moved from death to life. You have life. You have God's life on the inside of you. Why would you waste your life on sin? And your members to God as instruments. for. So instead of serving sin, we're supposed to serve God. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, either of sin, which leads you to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, righteous activity. That there will be things that will come out of your life when we're serving God, when we're obeying God. See, sin is a waste of a life. Think about somebody's life that you can imagine or dream of right now, that they missed the mark on what they should have done. Can you think of somebody? Isn't that a sad waste of a life? Why? Because there's something that we believe because we know God sent Jesus to die for people, that people are important and valuable. And people have a place in the purposes of God. You have a place in the purposes of God. Therefore, as your pastor, I encourage you, as the scripture does, don't waste your life with sin. Don't waste your life missing the mark on your purpose and your design. What has God designed you for in his grace? Do that instead of sinning because sin is just a waste of a life. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now there's a, a simple statement, <laughs> but so powerful. God didn't send Jesus to set you free from sin so that you would keep sinning. That you would keep messing up your life and messing up other people's lives by ridiculous behavior. Why? Because that's a waste of a life. So why did he set us free? Uh, he set us free for freedom's sake. So that we would live free from sin. He set us free from sin so that we would live free from sin. Simple. It's a simple thing. That we would live, listen, that we would live in the grace given to us. That we would breathe the air of grace given to us. This wonderful gift. Not only the actual physical gift of life, 
that we've been given, but the grace that goes beyond that so that we can actually know God and have his spirit on the inside of us, leading us and guiding us and inspiring us to live, inspiring us to live. Why? Because a, a life free from sin is a life better than, it's, than consumed by sin. And see, even if you didn't believe the scripture, you know that's true. People that waste their lives. Society feels sorry for those people. Secular society. Because they're wasting their life on this and they're wasting their life on this and they made this decision and now they're in this situation. Don't waste your life on sin, but for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. In other words, slavery to sin. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who will be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. I said this a little while ago, I'm going to say it again. See, this phrase, fallen away from grace, has been taken and misused. See, people see somebody that messes up their life, a religious leader or something, and what do they say about them? They've fallen from grace. In other words, because they messed up, they fell from grace. That is actually not what these verses are saying. If you are trying to live your life... And have acceptance from God based on law keeping, you have fallen from grace. In other words, it's not, the Old Testament is not available anyway. That way of life, that way of getting acceptance from God, what did the Hebrews tell us? It's obsolete. So when we try to do it that way, we fall away from grace. Verse 5. For through The Spirit, by faith, we ourselves wait for the hope of righteousness. Through the Spirit, by faith, from the inside. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So here Paul gets to the point. We have our faith. We receive this grace. It is only by grace that we have a relationship with God. It is only by grace that we are supposed to be living our lives. So these religious markings, these outward religious markings don't count for anything. But the faith that we have in Jesus is actually supposed to be lived out in our lives through love. That I have faith in God. So it's going to show up in my life relationally. It isn't just about me sitting around and waiting for Jesus to come back. It isn't just about me waiting around and waiting to die when I'll get, you know, into God's presence forever. No, God actually has a life for us to live in Christ right now. And the faith that we have in God, we're supposed to be living it out through love. You were wanting well, you hindered... uh, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever it is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
Remember I talked about how Paul was a little worked up in the book of Galatians. Verse 13. For you who were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. What is it? Love your neighbor. See, living a life of fulfilling the laws, what is it again? It's a law, it's you not doing a bunch of stuff. See, a life that's inspired by love is by is you using your life for what God designed it for. See, if I'm living a, a law about, of life, I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't go and I don't do, you just don't do anything. That isn't the life that God is inspiring us to live through Christ. See, Paul clarifies it for us. Yes, you are always accepted and you are always loved. And forgiveness is always available to you. But because you have all of this wonderful freedom, what are we supposed to do with it? Should we keep sinning so that grace overcomes it? No, no, he said, no, no, that's not what it means. And then he answers the question for us. Hey, listen. You can actually fulfill all of the 600 laws of the Old Testament. How are you going to do it? Well, we're just going to love people. That's what God is inspiring us to do. That is what God through Christ on the inside of us is changing us into his image. So that we can love our neighbor as ourself. This is the life that God is calling us to. From beginning to end, we experience God's grace. So we experience his love and his grace today. So that we can live our lives. So we're not wasting our lives with sin. Missing the mark. This wonderful gift that God has given us. So that we can know him and experience his love and experience his grace. We can live a life that's important in his kingdom. He wants us to live significant lives. Breathing in the air of grace. Last verses, then we're done. Romans 8. Listen, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. For who? For everybody. See, the gospel story is the gospel story for everybody. Religions are going to come and go, and they're going to rise up, and they're going to fall, and they're going to blah, blah, and they're going to be this, and we're going to try to send the Hab fans to hell, but it won't work. Even Hab fans are going to make it. How are they going to make it? 
they're going to make it by God's grace. How are the Leaf fans going to make it? Pains me to say. They're going to make it by the How are we all going to make it? By the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Graciously give us all things for our lives, people. Not for our religious experience on Sunday. But for our lives, he graciously gives us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. Who was raised? Who is, who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who is it? It's Jesus. It's his righteous record that we claim, not our own. Who, listen now, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, what's the answer? No. Say it with me. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, any of these things? What are the, what's going to separate us from the love of Christ? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How are we more than conquerors? Through him in our own righteous record, in our own awesome Christianness. In our own special non-denominational church. No. It's through Jesus. Who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, including your sin, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is it? It's because of grace. Are you thankful for grace this morning? Amen. Let's pray. Praise God. God, we thank you for your love today. That you're... Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.